from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200-WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. This week, we're joined by Rich Valdez from IP Secure. We're going to talk about DoD cybersecurity. And if you wanted to become a professional and work for a company like Rich's or uh, enlist in the military and work out there at the 24th or 25th, what are things that you're going to need to know? Rich, thank you for joining us this week. Hey, how's it going, Brett? Thanks for uh, having me on the, on the show. I, uh, I, I'm excited about uh, having a chance to talk to you. So how did you get involved in all this? Share a little bit of your background for our listeners out there. So believe it or not, I got into this business. Uh, originally, I joined the Air Force back in the mid-90s. Uh, I, I got into blow things up. Not, that's to be honest. Uh, I, I was injured in basic training, ended up having to uh, reclass, and ended up uh, working with computers. So here I am. I was a tech controller by trade in the Air Force, got out. Uh, worked as a government contractor ever since. Uh, a lot of Army work, about six years out in the, the Middle East. Uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, um, standing up socks out out on street uh, tactical locations, um, and uh, wife and kids got tired of me moving around, so here I am. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it sounds like you were probably uh, over there in the uh, the sand, as they call it. Uh, same time our local congressman uh, heard was over there for uh, the CIA. More than likely. Yeah. Uh, Although you may not have talked to each other, you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those uh, those uh, super sleuth, uh, super spy guys. I don't know. They they, they keep to themselves. So, uh, going through uh, this cybersecurity piece, so there's a number of different uh, things you have to learn. This is a, a pretty big and broad topic, and so helping uh, our audience understand. Um, I think as with all security, the first thing, uh, security is really about reducing risk. And one of the things they talk about in cybersecurity all the time is a risk management framework. So what is that? And then just kind of how do you guys uh, go through to, to think about risk and, and have that understanding? So RMF is kind of an, an, our risk management framework for us is, is an anomaly of sorts where it, it actually started in the commercial sector. Um, in the DOD world, we had what was called DICAP and DITSCAP, which was an accreditation program where we would go through and, you know, check, a, check, a, check, check mark something, a yes or no answer to, to, to establish a level of risk that, that was acceptable for the government. Um, what RMF has done is brought that human element into that uh, where it's a, more of a judgment call that you work with, uh, with the customer or whoever the stakeholders are you're, you're working with. Um, so we've been pretty uh, successful within the 25th Air Force and the Air Force IC in, in transitioning from DICAP, DITSCAP to, the, to what's now this risk management framework, which is a, a beast where it's, it's not just cyber-centric, it's uh, tied into all business processes. Yeah, so this is, is one where is a cybersecurity professional has to have uh, an understanding of not only the technology piece, but what's going on with that flow of technical information involved in a process. Because something that um, might be risky in one scenario is not risky at all in another scenario with the same technology controls in place. And this is, so what you're saying is that human element in this risk management framework can do a, a judgment call there to understand that context. Right, yeah, so before it was just a yes or no answer and you turn off, uh, you know, 
it was a let's say it's a certain cuts or a, you know commercial off-the-shelf solution let's say it's jungle disc you know uh, to name a, a product and there's a there's something in there in, in the code that maybe didn't jive with what we we we, uh, we support on site and back in the old days they, they just shut it off because it, it, it just didn't meet the criteria uh, now based off of uh, you know you can you can look at it and say are we gonna mitigate this risk are we gonna accept it or are we just gonna avoid it um, that's where where the risk management framework and, and that methodology comes in it's, it's it's actually more beneficial to our customers yeah so uh, as you, you go through so you mentioned another uh, term so there's the uh, cots the commercial off-the-shelf software so the government writes its own software in a lot of cases they may have um, applications developed specifically for them by a third party but then they also buy uh, a good amount of, of software that's that commercial off-the-shelf piece that you referenced Correct. Yeah. Are there some other other categories? Like, do they have acronyms for some of the, the other pieces? It's the DoD. They probably have an acronym for the word acronym. Yeah. There, there's a. So you have your GOTS programs or government off the shelf, and that's where it's actually built in house. You have your COTS, of course. It's commercial off the shelf, but that's that's pretty much what we get into. Um, it's it's uh, all all encompassing with those those two acronyms as it, as it comes to solutions and different uh, products. Yeah. So if you were evaluating software, you could do something called information assurance testing. Correct. Um, so information assurance testing is where where we've actually evolved from, uh, and that's where that DICAP, DITSCAP, and I, to tell you the truth, I can't remember what that ac- those acronyms stand for, but it was the accreditation process before RMF existed. Um, yeah. So we're actually transitioning from that methodology. So the IA testing is 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 becoming this RMF. Uh, assessment, uh, so the security control assessment world. Yeah, yeah. This the uh, let's go back to the what is it? The rainbow books, and you had the orange book, and all these things that went back into that diecap and discap stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some of those things. Yeah, not in place anymore. Um, and, and this is one other thing with cybersecurity is um, the landscape's continually evolving, uh, both on the policy and process side as well as on the t- the technology side. So. Um, if you're getting out there and getting involved in cybersecurity, um, make sure that you enjoy learning. No, absolutely. There's, there's a, there's a. It, it changes uh, monthly now. It's not, it's not a, an issue of. Uh, uh, are you going to learn? You're, you're going to have to learn. Yeah. So, and then in cybersecurity, so there's uh, two aspects of this, especially on the the military side of things, and maybe, um, well, I, I don't know how much you can talk and acknowledge, but there's a. Uh, this, the military has officially said they have offensive cyber capabilities or not yet publicly. Yeah, it is. I think it's it's pretty much out there. There's uh, what they call the the hunt activities, where you're going out on the the offensive side of stuff and describe there of of that kind of what you can. So the hunt, uh, the, the the cyber vulnerability assessment, hunt missions are it's a it's it's taking a more proactive approach. Um, to the analytics, um, we actually are, are going out trying to find the bad guys before they do what they're they're doing. Um, on top of that, we're we're taking the existing source code or, or malicious logic uh, from from known actors and uh, reverse engineering that to either weaponize it or just give our, our analysts a better uh, depiction of what's actually going on within their their uh, their area of responsibility. So you're using it's kind of both maybe to to go out and and exploit things, but also it's just like studying game film in a sports analogy where you're watching what your opponent does, learning about your opponent, so that you can then 
Um, do the other and the kind of primary aspect, I think, when people think cybersecurity, they think the de- defense side of things. Right. It's so it's a com- combination of all those. You know, we're, we're moving into this day and age of behavioral analysis, you know, from the old signature based uh, IDS, IPS type te- technologies. Um, so um, this 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 adds to that and, and makes it easier for our folks and, and provides that. Uh, I guess lessons learned, uh, lesson learned, uh, best business practice for for the for the analysts that, that are that are watching the data. Yeah, and and then all those offensive capabilities can also be used against your own systems. They there's a, a penetration testing they call that, and um, is can you kind of go ahead and elaborate a little bit on penetration testing? Yeah, so we have our you know blue red team type assessments where we're actually we're we're testing our own uh, capabilities and see what where our our shortcomings are, and that. It actually ties in a lot with uh, this this new RMF, this, this new framework as well. Um, so you're you're during your evaluation, doing, going through your pen testing, you're 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 evaluating where, where the real weaknesses are, and it's not it's not always just cyber related. Sometimes it's it's people related, you know, social uh, engineering, spear phishing, um, just just people talking over a phone. Yeah. No, we we had a. Uh... A guest on before um, Tom Desaad, who they do a lot of physical security assessment and testing. And Tom talked about it. And like one of the most uh, common ways they can get in is uh, called a drop test, where I'm sure you're familiar, our listeners may not be, but if you uh, are in a parking garage by your office building and you see a USB on the ground, please don't pick it up and plug it into a computer inside your office. Um, that USB may not actually be a little storage drive that one of your employees dropped. It could be a hacker tool, and um, you'll plug it in, and immediately off, and, and things are running. And it's one of the ones that's uh, extra hard to secure from because, like, you might think I've got a security policy in place. I don't allow USB storage devices, but even though it looks like a USB storage device, it's not actually a storage device. That thing that they plugged into your computer was a keyboard, and your computer allows USB keyboards, except that keyboard is going to automatically go start typing commands and browsing the web and downloading bad software and doing all sorts of uh, automated evil things. So um, if you see a USB stick in the uh, garage floor, pick it up, um, throw it in the garbage, um, destroy it so that if it is a hacker tool, it gets destroyed. If it was somebody that dropped it and lost it, um, you'll protect the confidentiality information they had on there, and hopefully they've got a backup copy of anything you had on a USB. You should be backing that stuff up uh, somewhere else. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's that easy. <laughs> it is that easy. Yeah, and then this is was like Rich is saying that uh, the human behavioral aspect comes into uh, quite a bit of this because you can put all the security controls in place in the world, but you still have to allow people to do business and allow business processes to work. So um, he had mentioned spear phishing, which is uh, where people send targeted email attacks. We've all seen these generic phishing emails that. A Nigerian prince has money if you'll give him your bank account. But now these attacks are getting much more sophisticated where they're going to send an email that looks like it comes from a trusted friend or colleague with a a link on it to click. Or um, even depending on the mail client you're using or the web browser you're using, just as displaying images in the email, that picture may actually be able to download an exploit in your computer um, just from the image itself. Uh, There was uh, some news uh, here before the holidays about um, image uh, malware spreading via social networks. So... um, it's uh, protecting against all of the different behavioral things can become um, as much or more complicated even sometimes in the security controls. Oh, absolutely. So uh, in San Antonio, we do uh, a good amount of uh, cybersecurity here. So how long have you guys been involved in these missions with uh, the DOD? 
Yeah, so we started uh, up in what it was 2000. Mr. Rodriguez, he's the actual owner of the of, of IP Secure. He he was a an old Kelly worker and electrical engineer out there. He uses uh, his retirement started the company way back in 2000. Um, uh, they're in the 346 test squadron, so it's 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 an area we're, we're actually responsible for uh, JITIC testing. It's a uh, the Joint Interoperability Test uh, Center. It was based out of Fort Huachuca, but we actually put products on the the actual uh, approved product list for DOD. Um, but it's a contract we still have to this day. But we've been doing this now for about 16 years. So we're in the 24th Air Force, 25th Air Force, and we also have uh, you know some some touch out in the, the east uh, east coast and up in Colorado Springs, supporting uh, Pentagon and uh, White House comms and uh, 26 knots out in. Uh, in Gunner, Alabama. So, and you guys have uh, one kind of main office here in San Antonio, and you've opened up a, a second location over in the Port San Antonio area, I understand. Correct. Uh, yeah, so our satellite office, uh, IP Secure South, I guess is the name right now. We haven't come up with anything more creative quite yet, but uh, yeah, it is located over in uh, Port San Antonio. Um, we made a significant investment into uh, a uh, a stack of, of commercial off-the-shelf uh, solutions that we support on-site and a couple of uh, some new technology that we're looking at to actually introduce to the customers. Um, that is a, it's a space that, that we're, we're actually just, uh, we'll be executing the contract uh, at, at the, the TSSCI level. Um, so it is a, a skipped space, um, but has the, uh, um, some uh, unclassed space as well. So you, you said skiff. Can you define that for yeah. our, our listeners out there? Yeah, I forget the, you know, uh, coming from the DOD world, we like to use our acronyms. Uh, uh, that's our lazy way of uh, getting through, and sometimes we just uh, hide in what we don't know. Uh, but it's a secret compartmented uh, facility is what it, uh, it, it, it boils down to. Um, but it's an area where we can do some classified uh, type uh, work uh, to... Uh, Tests, test different technologies that, that will be introduced into the DoD world. So, and this type of facility that you're building out is something that uh, should be attractive to cybersecurity professionals maybe that don't live in San Antonio today. Um, kind of an exciting uh, opportunity, it sounds like, to do cutting-edge testing of equipment. So we, we saw a need with uh, the, the Air Force customers we support here in San Antonio, the Air Force Lifecycle Management and, uh, you know, AFRL, uh, Air Force Research Labs, and then just the operators within the 24th and 25th Air Force. Um, with uh, this day and age of budget cuts and where we're at uh, in, in, in DOD, we had to, I guess it's a money ball of sorts where we're having to introduce a lot of young talent. Um, sponsor them for you know clearances and and get them trained up on how we operate on site. Um, so this this facility was built out as a, a almost an exact replica of what we do on site as far as operations center and with the lab uh, lab lab extension as well. Yeah. And if you uh, just joined us on the radio, you're listening to 1200 WAI. Uh, this is Brett Pyatt, the host of Cyber Talk Radio. I'm here with Rich Valdez from IP Secure, and we're talking. Uh, about doing cybersecurity, working with uh, our U.S. government here, the 24th, 25th Air Force, and uh, training cybersecurity professionals. Uh, if you uh, didn't hear the start of our program today, you'll be able to catch a replay on Tuesday. Uh, you can go to www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, you can look us up on YouTube, uh, iTunes Podcast, or Pocket Casts. 
Um, again, thanks, Rich, for joining us. And I've interrupted a, a little bit of our train of thought, but we've gone through and kind of defined a number of terms if someone wanted to uh, get involved in DOD uh, cybersecurity. Uh, these are things they need to know. It's a whole uh, world of uh, acronyms. And you kind of mentioned that you'd started uh, years ago yourself uh, back actually enlisted in the military. Is, is uh, listing in the military a requirement or like as you uh, look at hiring, you said you're sponsoring folks for a clearance. So it sounds like you're bringing a mix of military and non-military folks together. Yeah, so our initiative, of course, is always to support our veterans and the folks getting out. Um, we, we have to take care of them. They've served, uh, you know, honorably in, in a lot of different areas, and, and we, 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 we love our veterans. Um, about 80, 85% of our employees are, 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 US, are veterans right now. Um, but at the same time, we need to, uh, to support the local community. We need to, you know, infuse some of that, uh, those new, fresh ideas from the, the commercial industry and, you know, even the, the kids coming out of the local universities, UTSA and uh, you know, even Hallmark. Um, uh, we, we need those folks, and, and sometimes it's easier to fast-track them through, and, and, and they're bringing a, a wealth of, of new knowledge and, and they, they balance it out with the folks that are already there on site. So it's a good mix that we've, we've, that we've introduced to, to our customers, and we've been pretty successful with our model. So the, uh, the CISSP program that they've started at Open Cloud Academy, is that uh, helpful for you guys on the, the talent search? Absolutely. That has been, a, it, it was really a blessing. So we, we, we took a, a I'm not going to say that IP Secure in the past had had a, a large intern program, but that really helped us to, to get more involved with those types of programs. And those folks that are coming out of there are stellar. I mean, um, they're, they're rock stars, and you can tell that Rackspace did a, a very good job of vetting them, those folks. And then uh, um, we're, we're actually we're getting ready to introduce uh, uh, four of those folks in, into our, our work in, in the 25th Air Force currently. Yeah, so if, if you're listening and uh, you've got some money on your GI Bill, you're out, and you're thinking, man, I, I want to get involved in some of the cybersecurity stuff. Maybe I was a, an information or comms analyst inside, but it wasn't all the way into the cyber um, look up the Open Cloud Academy. There's a CISSP um, program there. Even though you don't have the years of experience required to get the full CISSP certification, they'll give you an associate certification by passing the test. And then uh, you can uh, earn those years of experience uh, on the job working for uh, folks here uh, in town. Or it uh, creates and opens a lot of doors for you all over the place. So um, I think as we continue to build this ecosystem out, some of the training and lab programs that uh, IP Secure is working on, Open Cloud Academy, uh, we've got a lot of uh, good things going on here in this cybersecurity uh, ecosystem. As uh, Rich had mentioned, UTSA has a cybersecurity program, Hallmark, uh, a number of our universities here. We've covered that um, with uh, a couple of the folks from uh, Cyber Texas Foundation uh, was on uh, with us and uh, talked into some detail about the whole buildup of the uh, cyber education ecosystem here. It, even with all of that work, uh, y'all are still importing folks from outside San Antonio on a regular basis, if I understand correctly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The folks that we've, uh, we've, we've actually been targeting the East Coast quite a bit, and a lot of the folks coming out of, uh, so uh, we, we support Air Force customers here, but at the same time, in, in, in all my years' experience, I, I've, known, I've worked in a lot of joint environments where you have, uh, you know, the purple suitors of sorts, where there's Air Force, Navy, Army, Marine Corps all working together and collaborating. Um, so what we've done here is we've tried to bring in folks from, uh, from you know, the, the, the first IOs up in, you know, Fort Belvoir and Fort Meade area and bring them down uh, to San Antonio. Just 
and, and they're, they're, they're coming with open arms. Uh, but those, those different ideas and how to do business and how to provide cyber services and how to, to, to you know, reverse engineer and just different, different ideas, it really benefits the teams that we have here in San Antonio where you, you kind of uh, have a collaboration that, that these folks, uh, they, it's, just, it's, it's just always good to, to get a different frame of reference. One of the uh, things you'd also mentioned is a little bit about the, uh, the DOD and kind of the restructuring of the missions, the changing of... Um, how are militaries thinking about things? Are, are you seeing on the cyber side of things, are they increasing and ramping up spending, or are these budget cuts hitting kind of completely across the board? Uh, the budget cuts, have, they're hitting across the board. I mean, uh, I mean, I want to I say 67% of new capital or, or, or spending will be in the commercial sector this year, and that's, that's uh, unheard of. That's, uh, we, we haven't seen that in years past. It's always been uh, on the DOD side, but it it also shows the dynamics of where cyber is, and uh, it's it's a it's a global problem. It's a national problem, um, and it's something that we all uh, need to be aware of. Um, even even educating your, your 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 kids and your your you know your old grand grandmother that's still surfing the interwebs, uh, we got to get them all up to speed and make them aware that you know they they could be the 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 open door to get get your information. Yeah. Um, but it's it's uh it's it's affected us. But we've uh, being a small company from San Antonio, we've been very creative with how we are our uh, our strategies, and um, we're still providing. Uh, I, I like to say uh, we we've always provided the Cadillac. You know, even with uh with Buick prices now, I, I can't do the Cadillac, but I do the Buick still. Well, it's uh it's just. Excellent quality um, across uh, all the folks that I interact with here in our cybersecurity community in San Antonio. It was one of the things that really made uh, doing this program possible is uh, uh, folks uh, talked about just the Cyber City USA, the um, cybersecurity uh, group in our local chamber of commerce has 40 people that show up at, at every chamber meeting every month. and uh, Voluntarily. Yeah, <laughs> voluntarily for free. And uh so yeah, and uh, with with that uh, community that we have here, um, I think it, it's just uh, pretty impressive, and it's still lots of growth and development to go. As Rich was saying, to um, everywhere, I think whether it's San Antonio as a major cyber player or um, even outside this market, security talent is uh, in a shortage uh, across the whole globe. But one of the um, just before the holidays as well, if you happen to be out in San Francisco. Uh, the uh, San Francisco Muni uh, system, which is uh, one of their subway and um, systems out there, uh, 2,100 computers all uh, encrypted, ransomware, and uh, they uh, were offered up for 100 bitcoins, which is about $75,000. They could pay the ransom. I think they've decided as a government agency they don't want to fund criminals, so uh, they've been give they gave folks uh, free rides on Muni there for uh, quite a while. But this is a uh, Rich was saying you're seeing a lot of spending outside the DoD on cybersecurity because this is now attackers going after major infrastructure because they got into all those computer systems there. They potentially could have shut the trains down instead of um, getting them into a way where the trains are still functioning, but they're trying to get a ransom um, out of the operators. Yeah. So. I mean, DOD and Air Force leadership, they're looking to industry to, to, to show innovation and better ways of, of doing uh, or providing the services that we need within this industry. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an uphill climb. Um, 
but we can't do it without we can we cannot provide the service and, and the level of uh of security uh without without commercial uh support oh. and uh on, on, t- on top of that you know it's it's um you know it's it's just it's it's tough but we've we've been We've had to be very creative in how how we support these 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 different uh, missions that we're supporting, and it's, it, mission comes first. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour break for traffic, weather, and news updates. Uh, after the break, uh, Rich and I are going to dive into uh, what does it look like to work in a security research lab, uh, where you're going to test equipment, you're going to uh, hopefully find the hacks before the uh, bad hackers find them and uh, what sort of certifications do you need to get uh, in order just to get started? Uh, What does it look like to go through a background check for a clearance? And uh, other details of the actual day-to-day life in the uh, world of a cybersecurity lab testing professional. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. You're listening uh, to Rich Valdez and I uh, have a conversation about cybersecurity professionals and uh, what you need to do and uh, how you can become one, um, specifically those kind of cybersecurity professionals that work with the military. Uh, Rich has got a long history um, back uh, originally enlisted and now um, serving as a CTO for uh, IP Secure here in San Antonio that's been uh, contracting with the uh, DoD for over a decade now. And uh, we uh, covered before the break all sorts of terms. The uh, DoD, it's an acronym itself for the Department of Defense. Uh, That's just the first in the long list of uh, acronyms that uh, they have. They actually publish books of them, the acronym books or glossaries. and they're gigantic and uh, kind of overwhelming at first. But I, I suppose after some point, Rich is smiling. You can't see it here. Yeah. You, you uh, may know more words um, as acronyms than you do words that are actually spelled with vowels. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a we don't we don't like using big words. So we just throw a, you know, three letter D.A.D. or, you know, something uh, L.M. LMFAO or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we uh, we like to use our acronyms. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um so into uh, getting uh, involved in this, I think something that will be uh, interesting for uh, all of our listeners uh, is, uh, so to do this work, you've got to go through a background check. I think folks have, have heard background check, um, but I don't know if they really know uh, what it means. So is this uh, like going down to, uh, if I'm going to do a, a background check to work at a restaurant where I go to over and print and make sure I don't have any parking tickets and um, I'm done and in and working in a day, or is this a little bit different? Uh, it's a, it's a little more intense, I guess. They, they go a little more in depth uh, than 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 working over at uh, your HEB or uh, as a as a as a you know a busser at a uh, at Fifty Fourth Street or wherever you're working. But uh, it's a it's a it's a process that it, it used to be pretty uh, pretty quick uh, before the Snowden type uh, and the the nine eleven uh, uh, occurred. Um, you, you could actually get a clearance back in the day. I think when I when I first got mine back in the mid '90s, it was uh, it took me probably about three months to get my TSSCI. Um, this day and age, it can take years. Um, 
or or sometimes months. It just depends on how how, how much you've moved around, how young you are, uh, what you've done in your life, um, how many how many uh, you know speeding tickets you have, and if you pay your bills. Um, but they, they do a, it's it's a it's a process where you're 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 gonna put yourself in a in a glass bowl for the rest of your life. But it's not a it's not a bad thing. You just have to be prepared to uh, to be honest and have some integrity and let 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 them know if you've done anything in your life. We're not looking for uh, you know uh, robots, but we're just looking for folks that'll come out and say you know I've done this, I've done this, and uh, and then it's it's up to uh, those those uh, officers that will do your investigation to make it make a make a call on the on the, on the clearance when you when you go through the adjudication. Yeah. So parking ticket. I can still get my clearance. Speeding ticket, I can still get a clearance. I mean, uh, yeah. So speeding tickets, things like that. There, there's, there are some certain things. I mean, you, uh, you, you commit a felony. Uh, any types of uh, terroristic threats, um, certain drugs, um, and uh, certain charges against you. That they, 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 they will limit you from being able to get a clearance or, or, or the level of clearance. Yeah. On on top of that, sometimes if you if you've ever served in a in a you know we have a lot of foreign nationals now uh, around these parts and you know on the east and west coast already. Um, so if they've ever served in a in a in the military or any any capacity where they're supporting a foreign nation, um, sometimes that will limit. But I have seen instances where they've allowed uh, folks to to get a clearance that have have have, have met that criteria. It just really depends on on how much detail you give when you're submitting your your initial uh, SF. Uh, I forget the, the I want to say it's a SF fifty four um, off the top of my head. I can't remember uh, exactly right now. But you go through and it pretty much they ask where you lived, uh, who you talked to, um, you know what what types of uh, activities you were involved in, and and then they're going to go and they're going to check on you. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna come to your house. They're gonna go to your neighborhood and. And they're going to ask one guy, and then they're going to ask, you know, well, who else does he know? And they're going to go down the line, and generally they go about two or three folks down the line and ask, you know, who, who, who is Rich Valdez or who is Brett? And um, and they'll they'll get a they'll get a pretty good answer. We have some. Uh, we're just having the discussion. There's some nosy neighbors out there that watch you quite a bit and watch you like a hawk that you don't realize or are keeping tabs on you. So it's important that that you uh, you live a lifestyle that that you. Uh, that you feel is uh, conducive with getting a, a clearance. Yeah, and I think this is is one, um, as Rich was going through there and saying, there's certain things that are um, clear where you're going to get, um, you're not going to be able to get a clearance if you've committed and been convicted of a, a violent felony. Uh, you're not going to, but if you've got some speeding tickets in your past, if uh, you, you got suspended in... Uh, eighth grade in school for uh, punching some kid that looked at your girlfriend Uh, some of those things you're going to be okay Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to go through but you should disclose um, all that stuff during the process because I think ultimately they're looking for is like is this a trustworthy individual that leads a uh, life that can uh, be able to keep the information that they learn safe right yeah and so it's it isn't um some folks, and we ask the question first thing, you know, when we when we're when we're looking to sponsor somebody or we're looking to get somebody their clearance, we ask them, is there anything, is there, are there any skeletons in your closet that that you just don't want to discuss? 
you know, and, and, and do you want to, you know, have to live a certain lifestyle for the rest of your life? And that's, that's part of the clearance process. And it's, it's a level of trust, integrity, and service to, you know, you're, 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 even in the, if, if you weren't in the military, it's a, it's, you're, 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 you're in the service of the, of the government. Yeah. So after you, you have the clearance, you said that this life of service in a fishbowl. So if, if uh, you wanted to go take a, a vacation down to Mexico for spring break, do you have to do any pre-clearance with somebody in order to be able to go take that vacation outside the U.S.? Yes, absolutely. That's uh, something you have to go and you have to debrief and say, I'm going down to Mexico City or I'm, or I'm, I'm heading out to Germany. Um, and, and we all do it. It's just a matter of you just you self-report and let them know I'm, I'm going to be doing some traveling. And uh, they'll, they'll just, and some, there, there are some hot spots that you're not allowed, and they'll tell you uh, when you go and you, you make that decision and you, you, you tell them I'm, I'm going to go down to you know, the border, and they'll say that, that's, uh, that's, that's off limits. There's actually areas here in, in, in San Antonio that are off limits to folks that, with, that are cleared. Um, as far as, you know, uh, some establishments that have been, and it's, it's really, some, some folks think it's because they're trying to limit your, uh, I guess your fun or, or your lifestyle, but sometimes it's to protect those folks because they, they're establishments that have been seen as being dangerous yeah. or, and we, and they, and, and they've made an investment into you by getting you a clearance and they want to take care of that investment. So that's, it's, it's looking out for you as well. Yeah. So there's a, if for all U.S. citizens, if you've never looked at it, there's a State Department has a, a watch list of like here's a travel advisories and travel warnings for folks with a, a clearance. There's a, a separate uh, list of travel advisories, travel warnings, uh, restrictions, and, and that's different from uh, what they recommend for just general U.S. citizens when you're traveling abroad. Right. And it's, it has to do with intel that they've received. So, you know, it may not be reported on the news. But at the same time, there, it's, it's coming from somewhere and there's a reason behind it. So it, you have to take that into account and be uh, and you have to appreciate that, the, that they're looking out for you. Yeah, uh, this is uh, smart people doing a, a good job to uh, try to keep our nation safe. So uh, appreciate that. So you can go through this process. So if you, you hire someone that doesn't have the clearance, you said it could take months, could take potentially years to get them through the process. Uh, how does how does that work for them on the day-to-day job because until you have the clearance you can't do any work that requires a clearance so do they uh, sit around um, twiddling their thumbs doesn't seem very effective but uh, what do they do during that point in time from a kind of day one of employment and sponsorship um, till uh, up until the point that they do have a clearance well so for ip secure uh, the the majority of what we support right now and the customers we support within, you know, the, the areas we, we are within the Air Force, 24th, 25th Air Force, um, you have to walk in the door with a TSSEI. Um, in the past, we've had contracts where you could have a secret or you could have an interim secret where you'd come in with what's called a red badge and, uh, and they, they could come in and then support the mission because it, the, there wasn't classified. It, there was nothing at a classification that they couldn't support. Um, in those very rare instances, you'll have somebody that can come in with, with, uh, with, with no clearance at all, but they're, they have to sit there and twiddle their thumbs. Um, when that happens, or if we have somebody that doesn't have any clearance and they, they can't support on site yet, we've taken a proactive approach to, you know, get them through the process, but at the same time, they're, so the, the, the real reason for the, the Port San Antonio location and what we're doing there is, is to provide that area 
where they can come in, they can learn on the job. They can it's a it's a it's a simulator of sorts of what we support on site, uh, the tools, uh, the the standard operating procedures, the tactics, techniques, and procedures that we support on site, and give them an, a real true introduction of what they're what they're going to see and how they're going to operate. And and me being the CTO, most most C level folks aren't aren't in touch with that, but. I love working with the interns. I sit there and I, 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 I ask them questions and what, what is it you do on a daily basis and what are you looking at and what, why, why are you seeing that type of activity or, or what would you do in this instance? And uh, that, that's, that's how I learned. I don't do things for them. I just ask them a question and have them go figure it out. And that's, that's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's been a benefit. We just, we just introduced one young man. He, uh, he graduated from uh, Texas A&M local. Had no experience. Uh, just uh, graduated from high school. Went through the program. Uh, just, just hungry. And he had other opportunities. And we, we the the contract we were looking at adding him on to, uh, he, uh, he he could have gone in there without a clearance. But uh, we ended up. That was one of the contracts we actually ended up losing. Uh, but we held on to the, this young man, and he's a uh, he finally got his clearance, and he's on site just uh, wrecking shop. You know, he's finding finding the bad guys. And, uh, you know, just uh, it's it's those young, fresh minds are, are really a benefit to us old old dogs, old salty dogs that sit there on site every day and kind of get stuck in our way. So it's, it's like I said, like I mentioned earlier in this segment is uh, it's 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 good to have some fresh blood, you know, to, to bounce ideas off of and just try to have a different perspective. Yeah, this is, is one of the uh, interesting things that the, the kind of catch 22s that um, in order to. Uh, get a clearance you need to have a sponsor and in order to uh, get a sponsor you have to work for somebody who needs people with clearances and most of the people with clearances that sponsorship process is time consuming as you said they may be not able to be productive on a contract until they do have that clearance uh, completed so you're making a significant investment in that person from a a time uh, and they need to get paid the whole time they're there it's, it's unlike many other things from an education perspective where you can go out and you can take out loans, you can put yourself through college, you can um, go get technical certifications, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of those required ones here shortly. You can do all of those things on your own, uh, but you can't actually sponsor yourself for a background check um, in order to get through or a pre-clearance or any of that. You actually you have to have a sponsor that is a contractor or or you have to enlist and go through a point where you now need to have a clearance in in order to be able to to get that so um it's one i think they've gone back and forth talking about some of this of like is there a way to do pre-clearances or pre-checks and uh with this time delay and i think the surge and rise in cyber this may be one of the ones on one of our washington dc trips to, to push a little bit more to see are there things we can do for people like in a cybersecurity program at UTSA? Their senior year, they're getting ready to graduate, or they're in a master's program there. Can you put people through some type of pre-clearance to speed some of those things up as they come out of the programs and can immediately then uh, go to work? So, um, yeah. So I mean that 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 brings up a, a good and that's that's really IP Secure. We what well, we've we've taken that approach. And so working with uh, the non, uh, I guess, the, the, the different types of education, the, the, the code-ups, uh, the Open Cloud Academy, 
um, Hallmark University, the, the, the folks that are more focused on the, the certification and the cyber track training or specific skills that tie directly to, to what we support on site. We have we have taken that approach, and we go and when that, when when these when these folks are, are introduced to those programs, we we make it a point to go and meet with them so that we can get the process going, so it, it speeds up uh, them their introduction into to the, the areas we support. Um, on on top of that, it's uh, it's part of the reason why we're looking at at a, our strategic vision is is to get into the commercial sector. To provide our to, to build out our own pipeline and then make San Antonio more attractive to these folks, these UTSA grads, you know, Our Lady of Lake has a great program, um, and bring them in and keep them here in San Antonio. Keep this this talent that is is leaving, you know, going to the East and West Coast, going up to Austin, and keep them here and and show them that there's there's some real, real, I mean, cool stuff we're doing here. It's 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 a it's, this is a cyber community i mean this, other than dc this is the largest cyber community in the united states um as far as and, and there's growth coming uh you know u.s cybercom is going to have a huge contingent down here we have the the, the agency that over there off of the you know on the, on the west side and you have lackland 24th and 25th air force and it's it's growing exponentially so so we need these folks we need to keep them here and we but we we, we need to sponsor them we got it and and all, all the local uh, companies here, we, it's, it's something we have to do together as a team and find a way to do this better. Yeah, and it's it's one I, I think that um, you'll get some legislative support hopefully and some as we really uh, look at cyber um, as the the next uh, kind of front because it's as one where um, we've done a pretty good job um, as a society overall in the world. The world's getting safer every day on the, the physical side of things, even despite all of the, the bad things we hear about happening out there. If you actually take a step back, um, zoom out to that 50,000-foot view and look at the trend lines, the world's getting much safer on the, the physical side of things. I think if you zoom back out to that 50,000-foot level, though, on the cyber side of things, you see massive increase in um, both uh, kind of pre-attack activity and actual attacks themselves, whether it's the um, attack on DIN, the DNS provider, um, at the end of last year, uh, where a lot of the internet was disrupted for the better portion of a day, um, or a lot of uh, attacks behind the scenes at a smaller level that you you don't necessarily go and see. And uh, as uh, General Major Hayden, who's a former uh, CIA and uh, NSA director, um, he had talked about just how, and as Rich had mentioned as well, that the private sector ends up leading the, the public sector and the DOD in many of these because you have these talented folks that are graduating from cybersecurity programs um, and doing research, cutting-edge research, but they, if they want to get involved and work for the NSA or work for um, a company like IP Secure. It's 12 or 18 months maybe uh, for them before they can get a clearance and actually contribute to uh, some of the classified missions. And uh, a lot of them just take the, the uh, both um, with that you have the, the opportunity um, on the commercial side potentially to make more money than you do um, serving your country. And uh, if you're going to b- go build a product and you can sell that product to every company around the world, uh, there's a bigger revenue opportunity there. And, and so we, we have this talent um, shortage in cybersecurity overall, both commercial and public sector. Um, but on the, the public sector, you really have to get folks that want to serve and go on a mission and, and do the right thing to kind of make the world a, a safer place. 
Yeah, so, I mean, Brett, to, to caveat on that, that, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, at the end of the day, mission comes first. And, and what's what's lost in all of this, and sometimes we forget, because every day we go, we, we're, we're, we're working this, uh, you know, this cyber monster, and our analysts are sitting there, they're watching uh, data that's coming from overseas, you know. We're watching things over from, from the desert, the sandbox. And they're responsible for keeping comms up worldwide. And uh, what they lose focus on sometimes that this this is a war. Um, and there are people attached to that at the end of, other end of that. You know, my, all my years, those six years working over in Afghanistan and Iraq and Kuwait, I saw when we didn't do our job correctly. You know, there's there's a young man. It could be your son, an 18 year old boy out there with a you know fighting with a gun, that re- relies on those communications. And if we don't do our job right here. Um, it, it affects them, and there are lives that can be saved. Uh, there's money that can be saved with what we do, and it's something we have to take seriously. Uh, even the, the commercial industry and uh, and, and DoD, it's 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 a it's a global war. I mean, this is this is something that we're 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 neck deep in. It's it's not going anywhere. You know, they they, they talk about the Stuxnet. I know everybody's probably seen the zero day uh, documentary. It's uh, it, it's the bomb has been dropped, um, and we're uh, we're we we have to be prepared. Yeah. So, in order to to get prepared, so these different contract vehicles uh, require different certifications. So, uh, one you mentioned earlier in the program, and I just want to go through and kind of hit a, a laundry list of these, and uh, kind of get your perspective on each of the certifications. Just uh, how hard is it going to be for someone to get one, and then what are they going to they going to learn and gain out of, of going after some of these different ones? So, um, like the CompTIA, the Security Plus. So. That- so there's varying degrees. So CompTIA, Security Plus, CEH, a lot of these, I mean, a lot of high school kids are coming out with these certs now. Um, you know, the Cyber Texas program, Cyber Patriot programs, um, there's different uh, summer intensive programs that are sponsored uh, by Hallmark. Um, to get get these young high school, you know, 16, 17-year-olds have a CEH and a Security Plus. Um, some, of the, some of the certifications, like a CISSP or a CAP or a CISM, they require actual years of experience, um, and there's ways to kind of spin that. You know, if you have some sort of data entry experience, or you've done some uh, some work even in high school, uh, voluntary. So it's it's important to to, to educate your kids and, and make sure that they they're they're getting involved in cyber now uh, because everything is is tied to your to to the internet now. I mean, you can't your refrigerator. You can order some groceries, you know, over the web if you want uh, your TV. I mean, I think my TV was hacked the other day. I was trying to watch the Cowboys game and it died on me. But uh, it's uh, all those things. Um, we, we need to take uh, advantage of the programs that are out there. Um, but the, the certifications aren't, aren't, as, aren't as difficult as, as, as folks think. It's just a matter of taking the time, the initiative to go out there and learn it, uh, read a book. Uh, there's, there's a wealth of knowledge. Go to YouTube, uh, you know, the Khan Academy. There's all types of stuff. You want to learn to subnet, go out there. There's, you know, when I when I was a young airman, I had to go out and you know do Boolean logic and uh, you know subnet. We didn't have subnet calculators. We had to we had to do it in our head. Um, it's all out there now. Um, so take advantage of it. Yeah. So that one of the other certifications you mentioned. So the the CEH, the Certified Ethical Hacker, uh, and you said that. So uh, what are some of the things that folks would learn? Uh, on on that certification track 
So it's pretty self-explanatory, or, or to most folks, it's, it's if there's such thing as uh, ethical hacking, uh, you have your white hat, you know, hacking. You have your gray hat, and you have your black hat. You know, white hats are the good guys, of of course. The gray hats kind of in between. You know, you're you're either trying to, uh, you know, find some things out that ties into a lot of that the, the CVA hunt type work. And then you have, of course, the black hat where you're trying to do something that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, a lot of the script kiddies and, uh, uh, you know, actors from overseas are, are, are supporting these types. Um, but you're going to learn a lot about malware, uh, different different tools, uh, you know, the Ollie DBGs. The, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm at a loss right now, but there's a whole slew of, of products uh, that you can go and, you know, different root kits you can use to really test this stuff at home and uh and uh i'm not it's it's good to learn uh because there is a there is a significant uh need for for those offensive cyber types uh in this day and age um but uh and and we we got to get caught up yeah so you'll you'll learn what a rootkit is on that certified echo hacker one if you you don't know what one is today if you go study for that certification you'll find that out and uh that rootkit could be on your computer as we uh, speak. I had a, another guest on um, that does uh, hunt activities in the, the private sector. He said the, the average time someone's uh, system is exploited before they find out about it's uh, over 180 days. Uh, so that rootkit could be uh, what the hackers put on your computer right now. Uh, you've joined uh, Rich Valdez from IP Secure. Um, I'm your host, Brett Pyatt of CyberTalk Radio. If you uh, tuned in late on this episode you can catch a replay and rebroadcast of this and uh, all of our past episodes covering tons of cybersecurity topics at www.cybertalkradio.com uh, if you happen to use uh, itunes or pocket casts you can uh, look us up there for the uh, podcast service as well um, or uh, watch a photo of rich and i have a conversation on youtube uh, we uh, put the audio up there as well because uh, many folks will uh run that in the background uh, during their work day um, and uh, we'll cover things from there. Thank you uh, very much for joining us this week Rich and um, talking through uh, really uh, a lot of interesting things uh, about what is it like to do cybersecurity in the DoD world. My pleasure.